When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there. This is Marlena Dietrich. No, I'm sorry. This is Sally Kirkland. And I'm here talking with Zach and Dustin on $2 late fee. Thank you for being with us. Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah, this is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Do you ever just go, do you ever just do this? Do you ever just go, Sally? We do it in our house all the time. We're just like, Sally. You do? (laughs) Yeah. Do you think of, do do you think of Sally Kirkland when you do Sally? No. Think of like uh, Sally O'Malley. Is that the name of um, the, the SNL character? I'm 50. I'm Sally O'Malley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably where you get it from. I'm 50. When you said when you said Sally, I thought of Rip Taylor. Uh, do you remember Rip Taylor, mm. the comedian? And yeah, I thought, of course. I wonder if Dustin just says Sally and then throws confetti up in the air randomly at home. Do you do that? There, I do do that. And there must be a reason... <laughs> There must be a reason why that started. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, I, I think he's just been a, a huge influence on your life. Kind of like Sally Kirkland has for so many people. Yeah. It's not just him, though. I'm blanking no? on a lot of Sally's. I mean, Sally was a popular name in the 70s. Sally Struthers? Yeah. Uh, Sally Kellerman? Yep. The other Sally who, who Sally people confuse Sally Kellerman with Sally Kirkland. Which is odd to me because I've never confused the two of them. I've never. Um, no, but you're, you know, you're you're good like that. <laughs> it's one of those names. If you say it enough times, it sounds like the weirdest name in the world. Sally, Sally, Sally is like what a hipster or or someone who's trying to be cool would say about their salad. I'm gonna go get a Sally over there. Get a Sally. It is. It is. You want a sandwich and a Sally? You want a witch? A witch and a Sally? A Sandy? A Sandy and a Sally. A Sandy and a Sally. That's... Ooh, a Sandy and a Sally. Ooh, I think we're on to something. Well, actually, you know, it's funny you say Sandy because Sandra Bullock got quite a big assistance from Sally in her early stages of of Mm. her career. Mm -hmm. Sally, Sally Kirkland, our interview for today on $2 late fee. I do want to I do want to plug one thing because uh, this is an amazing interview coming up but with it, but then it, as a companion piece to this she unleashes so much more in our $2 six questions uh, segment which is exclusive to Patreon. So if you are able to join that, you know, $8 tier, that is is coming out um, next month and it's 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 uh, it's a doozy, man. It's a doozy. And I feel like we've been talking about it for months and months and months. But the the <laughs> the surprises that come out of that 
you know, a simple question like, what's your favorite yoga pose just goes uh, to someplace in, entirely different. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Yeah, we, we, uh, we are, we are fortunate with the interviews we've done, um, this past year to have some great insight. But then the follow up to that is the, the $2 six question segment that we do having some really, really entertaining stuff to go along with it. So if you're still on the fence and you're like, Oh, should I check this out? Should I not go to our Patreon page? The link is in our bio on our Instagram. Uh, if you just go to Patreon and search $2 late fee TWO, you can find it there. Uh, it's on our website, yada, 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 uh, for more Sally. But for this next interview, you're going to get a lot of history from Sally. Uh, she is a wealth of knowledge and to have her on the show was huge. A little fun little cameo with our good buddy Jesus Garcia early in the interview as well. Uh, Fortunately, he was the one that linked us up with Sally to begin with. And uh, it just kind of hammers all home. And by the end of this, man, a year ago, we were doing an interview with Carney Wilson and her husband, Rob Bonfiglio. And that was a great feel-good interview. I feel like we're wrapping up the end of the year yet again with another fun, uh, inspirational conversation with somebody and you're going to hear that today yes and one more thing i want to add is that in this interview you will be hearing some music in the background at times and that is uh sally plays that you know she's a very spiritual lady and she does these these facebook lives where she's like connecting with spirit and she and jesu come from the same spiritual heritage it's it's actually it's incredibly inspiring. But one of the things that she does when she's doing anything, including being interviewed by us, is play uh, is play music. So so you you do hear that a little bit uh, underneath. Yeah, yeah. She's got her favorite artist that you'll you'll hear about actually in uh, the two dollars six question segment. But without further ado, should we get to Sally? Sally, let's do it. Sally. Thank you for being on $2 Late Fee, Sally. It's really it's really an honor to have you on. Well, it's an honor are... to be here, young man. Oh, well, thank you. We have a great little connection, but which we will get into later. But just the fact that we're talking to you on our show, and you are in so many ways uh, like iconic for, I think, being the longevity of your career. Uh, it's it's kind of bonkers to think about that you know you've been in this business since sixty-one years. Oh my god! Wow, sixty-one okay. years! My and I'm gosh! Working. I'm doing a film next week in Louisiana with Harvey Keitel and um, Terrence Howard and Jeremy Piven called The Walk in New Orleans. Holy cow! Okay, well, thank you for fitting us in your busy schedule. <laughs> It's a pleasure. In between, Thank you for saying that I'm iconic. I, I want you to write that, sign it, and send it to me, and I will frame it and put it on the wall. Well, I think I think, and I'm speaking for uh, personally. I think it's safe to say that, you know, quite often in this business, so many men get acknowledged for their longevity, right? And so very not often do we hear about you know, a, a female actor having that same kind of presence on screen. And you are definitely it. You've had, you've been, like you said, 61 years. Uh, movies. movies. That is wild. That is wild. Amazing. My friend, Eric Roberts has done 600. Yes. We had Eric on the show and, and we were really fixated on that number um, because Eric's the kind of guy who, you know, he, he's, he was like even filming, pretty much while we were recording, it felt like there was a film crew there. Cause he just kind of <laughs> did the interview and then he just flew off to some other city or something. And this was obviously, this was pre pandemic. So uh, things were really still, still happened, but yeah, he's just like between the time we interviewed him and the time the episode aired, he had like done four additional projects. Of course he's a workaholic. <laughs> and uh, Eric and I, I play his mother, if you can believe it. I'm not old enough to be his mother, but I play his mother in a movie we just did called The Magic Christmas that will be out Christmas. Oh. Um, and he had a monologue that blew my mind. 
And I went up to him in the kitchen and I said, I can't believe what I just saw you do. And he got very humble. And he said, coming from you, that means so much to me, Sally. Mm. And it blew my mind because we did best of the best together. We did something called the way shower together, man. We've done five films together. I can't remember the titles. And, um, he humbled me. He, he went to a place in his acting and he went to his place in his humility with me that I had never seen until two months ago in this movie. Mm, the Christmas movie you're talking about? Yeah, the, I think it's called Magic Christmas. Okay. They always change the title, but um, yeah. we, we finished filming, uh, I would say, two months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. And, 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 and I... I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned one of my Dustin and my favorite movies of all the all time, best of the best. And yeah, really, it really is. Yeah. It really is. And I'm not even joking when I say that your character, uh, you know, Miss Wade, she she was such a powerful component to that film because you brought mm-hmm. this you brought a uh, level of spirituality into the 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 the, the role where I think. It would have just been this typical martial art, um, you know, martial art action drama, right? But mm-hmm. you added this other element where you're like, wait a minute, when, when you're talking to Alex Grady, Eric Roberts at the end, and you're trying to clear his mind of all the thoughts to, to focus, right? Oh. And, to, and, and to get back in the fight and finish that fight. It is such a special moment to me because I try not to idealize, but I do people, mm. actors, and I see you in that role. And I'm just like, I, I hear your voice and calming him down, you know, and, and the component of yoga in the movie and the component of meditation in the movie, which I think at that time in the late eighties, early nineties, it was still kind of like this hippy dippy thing. People weren't really turned on to it just yet. Yeah. And, and so I just fanboy a little bit, have to thank you for your role in that movie because it was really, it was really powerful. If I'm not sober, I can hold him up for 30 seconds. God damn it, I said, David, ah! Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been informed that there will be a two-minute injury timeout to determine if Alex Grady can continue. Now, there's just 30 seconds left on the clock. If he can hold on, he keeps the points, and the Americans are still in it. Put your mind somewhere else. Let the pain go. There is no pain. There is no pain. You've got 30 seconds to go, Alex. You go out and do it. Um, I was a professional yoga teacher for the for the Integral Yoga Institute, and uh, they wanted Daryl Hannah in the role. And really? some, something happened, and I got a call to go in, and they thought maybe I was going to be too old because originally it was going to be a love interest with Eric, mm. and, and that wouldn't quite have worked with our age difference. Interesting. And And they were trying to figure out whether I could make it work, and I went into the audition with Philip Ree, the Korean um, star producer. And uh, I, I went into a headstand. I went into a back bend. Whoa. I went into a downward dog. I did all of this yoga for them. And they were kind of speechless, you know, and, um, and they hired me on the spot. I love that. Wow. <laughs> that would have changed the whole dynamic, having you be a love interest. I actually liked that it wasn't that way, yeah. that it was very neutral, that everybody was there was a professionality about it. There was a, there was a friendship. There was a bond. You didn't need this extra angle of Alex. He was a single parent and that would have fit, you know, mm-hmm. with you guys hooking up, but I, I'm I glad you did. Nice to have his mother be Louise Fletcher. Yeah. Yeah. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. I, I mean, uh, there she was an Oscar winner doing the small role in support of the film that we all believed in. And I was blown away. And I want to say that James Earl Jones and I met like in 1961 or two and mm-hmm. did an off-Broadway play called The Love Nest. And I met his father, Robert, who was in The Sting with me. Yep. Robert Earl Jones was in The Sting. And Jimmy and I have done many, many films and stage productions together. And I loved having that fight scene with him. Oh, so great. So great. Yeah. 
It's one of those, I mean, I, I think what we love about Best of the Best is that it's not like this traditional Hollywood movie. It doesn't, you know, it, it, you, whatever you expect to happen doesn't happen. Um, so, so to Zach's point, it's like <clears throat> your role is very much this calming presence to the point when we, we rewatched it, rewatched it recently. And uh, there's a tongue twister. We rewatched it recently. Uh, <laughs> and we were talking, uh, and you know, my wife had watched it too. And we were, we got to the scene where your character, Catherine Wade, is sort of introduced as this, you know, coach of, you know, it's like, you guys are working on your bodies, but there's so much more to this. And we both kind of looked at each other, my wife and I, and we were like, oh man, I would love to get this, to have this kind of opportunity to be in this environment you know where you're just kind of like you're training but you're relaxing and you're getting you know like your your job is to do yoga and your job is to meditate and your job is to get your headspace to a point where you're mentally ready uh because that's and you a- love it when i was sitting there talking to them all in the lotus position or whatever i was yeah and chris penn sean penn's brother he i say do you have any questions and he says yeah what's your telephone number <laughs> I love that. Yeah. God bless him. He's in yeah. heaven. Yeah. He's so great. He's so great. And yeah. I love that line. <laughs> he's such a jerk. He's such yeah. a like, but he, he played, he owns that role. Yeah. Everybody owns that role. You know, yeah. when, when, uh, when you're, when you're giving your speech to everybody and, and you're saying winning isn't an all time winning, winning isn't a sometime thing. Right. Right. And then, and then wow, I just got chills when you said that. And Alex goes, that's good. And you go, that's Newt Rockney. <laughs> what do I say? What? You said, that's Newt Rockney. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Oh, oh damn that- it. Hold on. This is Jason calling oh. me. Oh. I'll tell him we found each other. That's me. Jason, you're on the air with Zach and Dustin. <laughs> Yo, so everybody's good. Zach's the man. Dustin's the man. Have a happy right. day. Yes. <laughs> you know, Jason. Jesu on my hand, you know, one, two, three, four, five, is one of the five people in the world I love the most. Oh, and our beloved teacher, John Roderick, comes first. Mm. But Jesu, uh, Jesu, I cannot tell you my love for what Jesu does in this world. That's all. Who would have thought well, that hot guys, and steamy Justin scene and, you guys? And, uh, Zach are just amazing. And I thought they should hook up with Sally, my amazing minister friend. I love you, Sally. Have fun. Thank you. Thanks, Jay Zoo. Great Thank you, actress, Jay-Zoo. by the way. Great actor. <laughs> he and You're I got great. to start the passion. Dustin, is it Dustin or Justin? It's Dustin. Like it's Dustin. That's what I thought. I, yeah, I dated Dustin Hoffman. Um, Jay Zoo and I, back when I got nominated for the Oscar, I had done many films for Roger Corman from 69 to the seventies. And um, he basically kept me working during the dry period. And uh, after the Oscar thing, um, he called me up and he said, I'd like you to star in this film in the heat of passion. And I said, Roger, I can't do an erotic film having just done Anna, you know, this serious Czechoslovakian woman. I, I can't, I can't. He said, you've got to, you've got to do this. And he paid me so much money. I couldn't turn it down. (laughs) And and it was a payback. It was my payback to Roger for helping me all through the seventies. Long story. Anyway, I got to introduce him to Robert De Niro. Thus came bloody mama. I introduced him to Shelly winners, you know, long story, but Roger was there in 1969 when I needed a mentor so I said, Roger, I will only do this movie, which is R-rated. It was actually double R-rated, but the R-rated yep. thing came out. I will only do this if I can cast the man I'm going to do all these sex scenes mm-hmm. with. Because there's no way I'm going to have a strange actor I don't know doing all this. So anyway, there's a young actor named Nick Corey that I yep. believe in that's incredible. And I would like him to be the male lead. If you cast Nick Corey, I'm on. So that's how that happened. And then John Roger would come on the set every day and watch us doing these scenes where he's going down on me and this and that. (laughs) So we had a sort of a spiritual protection around the erotica. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Roger said it was his most successful 
erotic film in his 500 films? Well, it was a big deal. And I think the, the big deal was because you had, yeah, you coming off the heels of Anna and, and in, in that Academy Award winning, winning role and you, Nominated. you do a film Nominate. Won the Golden sorry. Globe. Won the Golden Globe. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Not to diminish anything. I just wanted accuracy. That's yeah. Yeah. Right. No. Totally. Right. Totally. I, I guess I, that was a Freudian right. slip because you should have won the role. There you there go. You Thank go. you. There Thank you. you. I think so too. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's all politics, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, she, was, she was very popular. Sure. Yes. Well, gee, yeah. I wonder. You know, if she could only turn back time. Sorry. Hmm. No, but no, so so you so you do this you do this role. And I think for me personally, I was like, wait a minute, this is somebody like that is, is quote unquote mainstream that I see all the time everywhere doing a movie that whew, this is like pretty hot and heavy. I think that was titillating to people, uh, stimulating where people are like, oh, I want to see this, you know, and, and, and on it, not just the fact that it's this sexy movie, but Nick Corey was on fire too you know, a hot career. And suddenly that was kind of, to me, I look at that movie as somewhat of a game changer in the sense that you didn't see that that wasn't the norm. You know, you'd see like bedroom minds with Andrew Stevens and, you know, uh, I did start a movie with Andrew Stevens called double threat. Yes. Also very sexy. Yeah. But go on with your hmm. Nick Corey. No, I, and, and so we, you know, obviously Jezu is a is a friend and, and and a guest on our show, and at the time when he was Nick Corey, I was like, "Oh, this dude is cool. I like this guy. I want to see him. You know, I want to see more of him." Little did I know, I was going to see almost all of him. So there you go, <laughs> hmm. and vice I versa. Love him so much. I I uh, you know I had a, a publicist named Dale Olson who was my publicist during the whole Oscar campaign that I by myself with a little help from Dale. And, and he said later on, much later on, uh, years later, he said, Sally, you may have made some mistakes in your career, but it's OK. And I'm not sure if he meant that, that I made choices in my roles hmm. that um, may or may not have been what the mainstream would have chosen for me to do after Anna, you know. Um, but I was very clear that I wanted to act with, with Jesu, And I was very clear that I was a sexual woman. I was not an aging Czechoslovakian woman. And I didn't want to go through the rest of my life playing aging women. Um, I was 44. And to me, I was Marilyn Monroe, you know, and I wanted the world to see that part of me yeah. that was the sexual creature. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, and so I had an agenda um, but but, you know, if you studied my career, I was the first nude actress in American theater. Yep. And uh, at the actress studio when Marilyn Monroe would be there sitting next to Lee Strasberg. I wasn't there in class when she was, but but I was around and I would go to class and I would sit next to Lee, just like Marilyn. And we had private moments and a private moment meant you do something you wouldn't do in public. Yeah. So. I, for the first time at the actor studio history, took off all my clothes and did whatever I did in my private moment. And, and that began to become famous at the actor studio. People, people all knew about Sally taking her clothes off a lot. And um, I liked it. You know, I like my body. I, I, I came out in the press and said, I think women should like their bodies, no matter whether they're fat or thin or this or that. It doesn't matter. They should really love their bodies. And I celebrate that. I, there's a quote from me online. When the day comes when everybody's, you know, free to take off their clothes. Or when the day comes where everybody is willing to take off their clothes, whatever. We'll all be free, you mm. know. Yeah. And when I did uh, Sweet Arrows by Terrence McNally, um, I had been asked by James Rado and Jimmy Ragney to star in Hair. Mm. And. I had been in Tom O'Horgan, who was going to direct hair. I'd been in his La Mama Troupe repertory company, starring in a play called Tom Payne about the revolutionary and another play called Futz. In both plays, I was nude, nude in Futz and semi-nude in Tom Payne. Clive Barnes in the New York Times gave it a critical rave, said the nudity was handled brilliantly. 
And, um, and then suddenly James Rado says, we want you to star in hair. And Tom O'Horgan said, no, 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 no. You cannot leave the La Mama troupe. You have to star in Tom Payne and Fuss. And I thought, I knew, I knew what hair was going to be. Yeah. And so I was, I was angry. And, um, and so I got a phone call from Terrence McNally, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. He said, Sally, I want you to do this play, Sweet Eros, I wrote. And you would be on stage 45 minutes nude. Would you do it? And I said, are you going to have a heater by the side of the stage? <laughs> he said, yes, yes, yes. And it turns out that Robert Drivis, the other actor, um, kidnapped me, brought me home, tied me to a chair, exploded all of his grievances of the world. And I had sort of a meltdown, tears streaming down my face and whatnot. But I never talked. I, I, I sang a little something, but I never talked in the whole play. And yet I gave this whole performance. So I got rave reviews. And the New York Times called me up and said something like, um, Miss Kirkland, I don't, I don't remember this showing up in print, but somehow there was a dialogue with the Times. And they said, why are you doing this? You're a Shakespearean actress. You've done all these Shakespeare plays with Joe Papp and the Shakespeare Festival. Why are you doing this? And I said, I said, mind you, this was 1968 or nine, one or the other. Mm -hmm. I said, you can't carry a gun on a naked body and I'm opposed to the Vietnam War. Um, <laughs> That'll get some headlines. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there's a film I really want you all to see called Cuck that I did in 2019. Uh, unfortunately, just when we were doing all the distribution, the pandemic happened. And so, mm. you know, the world hasn't seen it, but we got rave reviews. It was compared to Joker. And they said our film was more authentic. And um, I played this bipolar What's her face uh, in um, Misery? Kathy Bates kind oh, of yeah. woman who you have to see this film. Cuck, C-U-C-K. Okay. And um, I have a scene in the bathtub where I take my son's hand and put it on my breast. Mind you, I did this three years ago, so I must have been 76. And I was a little overweight for, for my standards. So normally I wouldn't have liked to be photographed when I'm a little overweight, but it was so important to show that in the film, that relationship, that sexual neurotic, crazy mother-son relationship. So there I was in 2019 doing a nude scene in the bathtub. Yeah. And um, yeah. Wow. wow. And Cuck wow. is about sort of an, it's sort of an origin story of like a, a Trumpian patriot is that is that accurate? Like um, the sort of uh, obviously fairly uh, topical um, character of someone who is, um, you know, deems them like a self-described patriot. But oh, what my it, son, my mean? son. Yes, your son. The, the movie, yeah. like what what is it about? Basically, yes. basically, it's, it's like Joker. You know, he's on the Internet all the time. And, you know, the word cuckold. So he gets involved with a cuckold situation and a woman and a husband who hire him. She hires him to come make love to her in front of her husband. And when, when the moment comes, when I find this out, that all these checks are going to this woman, one of my favorite scenes in my entire 250 films happens. You have to see it. I am ballistic. I am ballistic. And I'm, going down the road and the camera's right next to my face and I'm screaming. I, I can't remember the words, but you fucking bitch. What are you paying my son for? You know, that kind of thing on and on and on. And, uh, Oh my God. I mean, in, in, in the Joker, the, the mother was a nothing role, Yeah. but in this film, cuck, uh, Rob, Rob <laughs> Lambert, the director, brilliant young director. Um, I'm so sad that the pandemic, ruined what would have been a lot of people seeing this yeah um, but uh i'm really proud of it and i'm really proud of a film i did christmas called um um 
Hope for the Holidays, which is a Christmas movie, but basically you can see it any time of year because it's about spirit. I die of cancer in it. Um, it it's, <laughs> it's about, it, it's, I don't know. I, it's rare I get to play such a spiritual character and it's on Amazon Prime video rentals, $4. I think what's beautiful about what you're talking about is you, you just you were, you're talking about being at the actor studio and you now are talking about movies that you've worked on fairly recently that you're equally proud of in your body of work. And I think, you know, we we're talking about Eric Roberts and, and he's he's amassed this workaholic career of so many films and, and on the same gamut, you know, there, there's when we talk to him, he says, yeah, there's movies that I remember. And there's some movies that I just did it and it was done. And I'm sure the same can be said for you, but yeah. I think what's beautiful about what you're saying is that there are movies in your career recently that you've put yeah. on the same pedestal that you would put, you know, some of your earlier, more favored roles as well. That's, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And next week I go to new Orleans to do a film called the walk. Uh, with Harvey Keitel, I said this already, and yeah, it's okay. uh, but but it's a very important subject about segregation in the seventies. Mm. I'm doing a very small part, you know, a cameo star part, very small, but one scene, but a very important scene with this young girl who's the ingenue lead of the movie. I don't know her name, and I'm I'm advising her when the right time is to walk into that school with all the police and the Riots going on with the blacks yeah. and the whites. If you remember the seventies and segregation, for sure. And uh, Terrence Howard has a monologue, two pages long, where people are going to be weeping because he's such a great black actor and it's such an important subject. And I was brought up by a black woman named Louise because my mother was editor of Vogue and Life, and I never saw her. Mm. So um, fashion editor. So Louise was. She worshipped Allah. She wore a turban. She was into Judaism. She had me eating matzahs and she sang gospel in the choir. Wow. And um, she was my mother, really. And then in, in, in segregation times, I'm thinking now, I, I can't remember now, 50s, 60s. My father one day comes home and says, you're fired. You're a n Wow. And it blew my mind. Oh, it blew oh. my mind. And I did a movie with Cicely Tyson and James Earl Jones called Heat Wave about the Watts riots. And I got to repeat the same scene in the movie with Cicely playing Louise. From your childhood. Yes. And my husband, Michael Green, in the movie fires our, our nanny, Cicely Tyson. And, and me and my want to go live with her we don't want to stay with my husband and there's a scene in the car it's one of my favorite moments in my career where the camera pans in on um, I'm, I'm crying yeah and i'm trying to let her know how much i love her and how you know tragic it all is and and then she just puts her black hand over my hand and the movie ends or the scene oh. ends anyway my point is this movie brings back to me yeah. what I went through in my childhood. And yeah. um, my mother, the fashion editor of life in 19, uh, forever, from, she was fashion editor of Vogue from 38 to 47, Life Magazine 48 to 69. My mother was the first person to hire a black for Time Life Incorporated. And she mm. hired Gordon Park. She've heard of him. He became a famous filmmaker. Mm. At that time, he was a photographer. And Henry Luce, Henry Luce, CEO of Time, said sally her name was sally too um she said i want to hire this man he's brilliant and he said but he's a negro and my mother said he's he's brilliant look at his work i want to go to paris and london and do the fashions i want him to go and he said we can't do that and she wow. said well then i quit wow wow good for her so they hired him and that was the first time a black was hired at time life and, and uh, I, there's so many stories like that. I was brought up with a very liberal woman. Uh, the gay community surrounded me in the village. I lived on Christopher Street next to Stonewall. Mm. When I came out here, I ended up 
for at least from 1988 until now in West Hollywood, the gay community has always, always been a huge fan base for me. And um, they've supported me no matter what. So Shelley Winters was my godmother and my mentor. Wow. From 1962 until when she died in 2006 as an ordained minister. I was her caretaker the last three years. And I, I, uh, I, uh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I, uh, said the last rites and, um, and she taught me that it's so important not to let the men in the industry, the patriarchal society run your life. She said, Sally, Join the unions right now. And she takes me by the hand to Screen Actors Guild after equity, makes me sign up for all the unions. And um, she taught me everything I know about standing up. You know, David O. Selznick was my friend when I was 18. He said, you're not going to make it as an ingenue. You're too tall. You may or may not make it as a leading lady because you're, you're too tall. At that time, I was taller than Dustin and Bobby and Al and everybody. And, and you're, you're too pretty and you're too sexy. You're going to scare the directors to death. He said, but when you're a middle-aged woman, they're not going to be so intimidated by your sexuality and they're going to hire you. And he said, you will be a star um, internationally when you're older. That was David O'Selznick. So between words like that and Shelley (laughs) Winters telling me I was brilliant when I was 18 and treating me as her protege, which she did her entire life after 62. Um, I um, have been, that's why the longevity you talk about. Yeah. So many women quit and they get married, they retire, whatever, whatever. I've been married twice. I've had incredible love affairs, including the great Bob Dylan, but I've never wanted to choose a man over my career, you know? Um, I've wanted a man who would support my career a hundred percent. It's either a song or a poem by Woody Guthrie. And he talks about how, you know, you're, you're to this or you're to that, or talking about how there's so many restrictions put on people in society. Right. And, and, and told you're not able to do the things you want to do with your life. And he says, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I'm out, I'm out to fight those ideas. I'm out to, you know, get rid of that idea for people that you can be whatever you want to be in life. Don't let people tell you what you can't do. And here you are as such a beacon of that, of, of so many times in this interview, you've talked about, well, I was too old to play this character. And I was told I was going to be the mother of Eric Roberts, you know, and, and, or, you know, I was to this, or I was to that. And you're like, no, forget all that. And to be respected for your craft and have that same, that same aura that we put on all these other male actors, which is fine, but we want you to know, we have that aura on you. Thank you. You know, I really appreciate that. It's really beautiful what you just shared with us. I just have to say, I mean, oh, really, really emotional. I was very lucky to have Shelly Winters. I lived with her in New York. I lived with her out here for a while. Um, She was an acting teacher at the Actors Studio. She taught me, Sally, when the audience wants to laugh, make them cry. When they want to cry, make them laugh. And that stuck with me. So if you notice my acting and all my films, I will transition fairly quickly from one to the other in every role. I will find a moment that is comedic somehow. Again, I'm going to go back to best of the best, that scene in best of the best, when you give this really heartfelt speech to the whole group <laughs> and Eric Roberts is like, that's good. And you're like, that's Newt Rockney. <laughs> He's like, it's not mine. It's not my, it's not my motivational pep talk. It's somebody else, but sure. Thanks. But it's such a quick flip where you laugh, you smile. So mission accomplished. Yeah. Did you like revenge? Oh yeah. With uh, Kevin, Costner? Kevin Costner and Anthony Quinn great thriller very underrated i think very underrated thank you for saying that and beloved tony scott who so tragically killed himself oh uh, yeah story 
I get a call from William Morris and I'm going to meet Tony Scott and Kevin Costner at Warner Brothers or something. I hope I don't get the studios wrong. And I, I'm someone who wants to know every word of the script. And I usually get there early and I sit in my car and I go through all the lines. And uh, apparently I walked in five minutes late because I was so busy learning the lines. And Tony smiled and said, hi, Sally, I'm Tony Scott. I loved your film, Anna. He said, you just missed Kevin. I said, what? <laughs> and he said, well, Kevin waited for you, but the time was one o'clock and it's one o five. And I said, <laughs> what? I said, oh, please. Oh, God. Oh, please. So he calls up Kevin and he said, Kevin, Sally's here. What do I do? And Kevin says, tell her to come back tomorrow at one o'clock. So I go back the next day. Now, that was the year that he did Mission Impossible, Fields of Dreams. I think he did five hit films. He was the man that year. Yeah, Do you remember yeah. when he oh, had yeah. like five He's hit films? fire. Robin Hood. What was, what, say it again, Dustin? Uh, Robin Hood, potentially, I think was. Robin Hood. Keep going. There were five. It, it, Mission Impossible, was it? No Way Out. No Way Out. No Way Out. Very important. Yeah. And so he, he's there. I walk in. He smiles at me. And I think I'm meeting this big star. You know, I don't have any agenda. Yes, I did. And I say, um, hi, Kevin. I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan, Kevin. I loved you in No Way Out. I loved you in Field of Dreams. That moment with you and Susan Sarandon in the bathroom, on and on and on. I'm Old going Durham, through, yeah. Old Durham. Old Durham. I'm going through all these moments in his films. And finally, when I finish, Kevin says, don't you remember me? And I said, what do you mean? You're Kevin Costner. And he said, Sally, 1980, I was the stage manager at the Raleigh Studios. Oh, my God. Where Neil Young was directing himself and you and Dennis Hopper and Dean Stockwell and Russ Tamblin in a film called Human Highway. And I learned my acting from watching you guys. Well, can you imagine? I mean, (laughs) That's amazing. They basically said to me on the spot, we're either going to go with Faye Dunaway playing a movie star or you playing a rock star. Um, But they kind of winked like you got the role, you know. And um, when I got to the set and Anthony Quinn and I were friends from the actor's studio. When I got to the set and I'm in the trailer, you know, there's a thing, you know, I had the big tits, 38 double D. (laughs) Every guy sort of flirted with me there's no two ways about it and it so he started flirting with me and i knew he was married and i'm a sister you know and i thought what am i going to do here mm-hmm. so i said kevin can i see pictures of your kids yeah there we go <laughs> so nice he brings out all the pictures of the kids and we talk about them and and um he starts telling me he said can i tell you about the film that I really want to make, that I want to direct and produce. And I said, please, what was it? The one he won the Oscar for? Um, Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. So he tells me the story of it. And after he's finished, I said, Kevin, you're going to win the Oscar for this. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, no, no. I have 10 more years to pay my dues. I got to be like you and James Earl Jones and (laughs) Anthony Quinn. So he tells me the story and I tell him he's going to win the Oscar. And he says, no, no, no. And I say, yes, I'm a bit clairvoyant. And um, this is your time, Kevin, 10 years from now may or may not be your time. I'm sure it will be because you're so classic, but this is your time. Mm. You have to go for it now. And when you do your ad campaign, do what I did with Anna. Don't do color pictures and things. Get all the reviews and the quotes you get and do a full page of quotes and and variety, a full page. And um, anyway, I acted like his mother. And Hmm. film jump cut, it comes out. um, First, he gets the Golden Globe and the Oscar nomination. And um, I guess it was the Golden Globe, yeah, that I had won that I went to. And I asked the usher, can you tell me where Mr. Costner's table is and they said oh it's number one down there by the stage and I went down there and he said Sally Kirkland Mm -hmm. 
And he said, Cindy, Cindy, this is the woman who predicted this. <laughs> and, and she hugged me and um, it was just a great moment. Um, you know, Sandra Bullock came to me when she was 22, 23. And she wanted to quit acting because her boyfriend didn't want her to be an actress. It's a good reason right. to quit. What? <laughs> I said, that's a great reason to quit. Right. What, what, yeah. that guy? Yeah. I said to her, Sandra, just looking at you, seeing your charisma, talking to you, you're going to be a big star. Yeah. And she said, you think so? And I said, I know so. This is what I've been doing all my life. And she said, well, will you teach me? And I said, yes. Will you bring your boyfriend to me so I can <laughs> smack him and um, in the nose? I said, I want you to work on a play called The Trip Back Down, which is about a disc jockey husband and a wife who doesn't want him all the time being a disc jockey. She wants him to spend time with her. And if you would mix up the roles so you're the disc jockey and he's the wife and do this for me with all the emotional transitions with, with, with the emotions with your husband. Um, and she did it and she blew my mind. And then I had her do Miranda and the Tempest where she's the virgin and she's seeing the first man she's ever seen. And she falls in love on the spot. And she doesn't know what to do because she's never seen a man before. And the tears are streaming down her face and, Anyway, I had her do a lot of things. And then I put a showcase on for my actors. This is in New York. And I invited this man, Daniel Adams, who happens to be the director of the movie in New Orleans. Wow, The Walk, yeah. And he came to the showcase. This is 1986. He had, he had yeah, 1986. He later starred me in a movie called Primary Motive, but this was 1986. Mm -hmm. It was before I got Anna. It was just before I got Anna. And uh, he saw her and immediately he cast her in, in a film called Religion Incorporated. It came out as a different title. And, um, and she was blown away. You know, it happened so fast. I introduced her to Roger Corman. He put her in a movie. And then she came to my house and she said, what do I do? What do I do? So I said, we have to make a resume. Well, she didn't have anything on the resume. And I said, we're going to make every scene I did a production you starred in directed by me. So we listed all of this on the resume. And I said, I want you to send this, go to Samuel French, get the book with the casting director. Every casting director, I want you to send this picture and resume, this picture and this resume. So I get a phone call a bit later from Barbara Miller, head of talent at Warner Brothers. She said, Sally, who is this woman? She's got your name all down this page. And I said, hire her, hire her. She's going to be a big star. And she said, really? And I said, yes, trust me. So she got the lead in a series called Working Girls. Yep. And out of that came all of her huge, big films. And the rest is history. Awesome. The rest is history. She got me put in a film... Uh, um, as a payback uh, with Benicio del Toro and Chris Walken called Excess Baggage. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With, uh, Alicia. Yeah. 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 So that was Sandy's yeah. thing. Yeah. Alicia and Benicio. yeah. That's a fun film. I like that movie. Yeah. Oh, this I want your friends to know. On Facebook, uh, Reverend Sally Kirkland Share Spirit is on Facebook every day, okay. usually at four. And um, there's a prayer group and anywhere from 20 to 30 people come on and then another 50 or 60 or more view it later. And I start off by um, chanting Sanskrit, Anahyu, 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 which is the chant that we use in the church to go as right to spirit, Anaya is empathy for all souls and Hugh in Sanskrit is God. And then I do blessings from John Roger and blessings from John Morton. And then I talk to whoever's there. Sometimes they bring spiritual quotes. Sometimes they say, my brother just died of cancer and we stop everything we're doing and we pray for that soul and for that person going through that. So people bring <laughs> all sorts of things. They bring all, they say, I've been an alcoholic 35 years, who knows? 
every day I do yeah. this, I've been doing it ever since the pandemic started because I was so bored during the pandemic. <laughs> so it's been a year and four months I've been doing this every day wow. except I'm working. I need something. And so I hope your fans will check it out. Sally Kirkland, Facebook. In the morning, I say, good morning, starshine. The earth says alone, which is from hair. And, um, and then I go into blessing souls who've just passed over and um, people who are suffering that I know who are suffering physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. Anyway, it's great. Nice. I just want to nice. mention something that I forgot to mention when I was telling you yeah. about they wanted me to be in hair. And, mm -hmm. um, and so when I did my nudity and the press said Sally Kirkland, the first nude actress in American <laughs> history, I was so proud of myself because I beat hair. Hair didn't come out <laughs> for X amount of months. Yeah. And I did it first. You I did so it first. Proud. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, this was so amazing. I feel like we could be on, on for another hour with you and just talking and catching up and reminiscing. Thank you so much for being on our show and, and, and bringing so much warmth and levity and, and, and good, good vibes and good karma and all that good stuff. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Sally. Let me just say, Father, Mother, God, we ask just now for your light to surround, protect, and fill Zach and Justin and $2 late fee for the highest good that many, many, many people may see this show and feel our beautiful chemistry together and our respect and appreciation of each other and whatever all we talked about. God bless. That's Love beautiful. That. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay, have a great day. Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet... Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 